Welcome to Insights for Manufacturing, the podcast that supports the UK manufacturing sector. Hosted by Jeff Beecham, the manufacturer's recruiter. Hello and welcome to Insights for Manufacturing. Today we're discussing one of the key functions within any successful manufacturing organisation, and that's purchasing. Um, I'm delighted to welcome my special guest today, Katie Dury, the buyer's coach. Welcome, Katie, and how are you today? Hi, Jeff. Thanks for asking me to join you. I'm really well, thank you. Are you? Good. Yes, all good. <laughs> thank you very much. Good to see you on here. And um, purchasing, uh, it's it's a you know quite a a wide ranging subject matter. Mm-hmm. And wow, given the you know the carnage of the the current global supply chain. Um, that with the you know the backdrop of Brexit, COVID, the energy crisis, uh, wars going on, and, and all the rest yeah. of the uncertain economic times, there couldn't be a better time uh, for UK manufacturers to you know to to review and uh, improve their you know their purchasing for performance, could they? No, definitely. I think it's one of the times in history where maybe in the future people might look back and say. Gosh, they've had a lot to deal with at that particular time in history, definitely. And certainly procurement have faced so many challenges The you know, the ones that you sort of mentioned and there may be more to come. We don't know. Um, curveballs come from all directions. And you're right. UK manufacturers definitely need to, you know, review how they're uh, procuring um, things, how their departments are, are performing and how can they improve. So um you know for definite procurement departments need to be very agile initially so obviously you know we want to be strategic um sometimes you have to react when things just come at you out of nowhere um and there needs to be that kind of agility you know and um you need to be able to kind of pick up almost sort of a pre-prepared risk plan if you like um that that hopefully has already been done if it hasn't been done that's something that um that needs to be looked at definitely um and you can't predict every every scenario but you can try to protect the businesses and your business and your supply chain by looking at what impact a scenario might have and try to do something about it in advance or at least have a network that you can tap into and um, you know the right supply chain that can that can be agile as well and um I, I suppose from from an audience perspective you know anybody listening to this podcast who's currently working in procurement will be you know acutely aware of the you know the current challenges but um for anybody that's maybe um stepping into to purchasing or procurement for the first time uh, or looking to you know to to get into purchasing as a as a career um route i, I just would you be able to help those people understand just how intrinsic purchasing is to the success of a business Katie yeah definitely I mean it's maybe in the past it might have been viewed as a function purchasing function that just simply does the transactional side of looking after a business you know making sure that they order the things that the business are demanding and that they they say that they need um but actually there there's a lot more to it than that and I think over the last you know sort of um few years really has kind of proven that there's a strategic element to purchasing it is very intrinsic to any business and I think quite often when there's a problem with any kind of supply chain issue um anyone in in a in a regular company would typically go looking for the buyer you know who's who's the buyer and speak with them and try and help 
the buyer or try and get the buyer to help them solve their problems. So it really affects all the different functions, uh, certainly operations, obviously marketing people need to know that that parts are coming in so that when they go off and do their side of the business, try to sell to customers and fulfill orders, it, the, fun the function of purchasing is just so important because if parts aren't coming through, obviously they can't create the product and that would disappoint customers and that would have a massive impact um, to the business. So it, it's extremely intrinsic. And um, a purchasing department can also be a good place for the rest of the business to go to for advice as well. You know, and um, trained professionals in procurement can can help the, the other departments sort of be more savvy commercially, if you know what I mean. Um, for example, I've you know been on a call um, in the past with sort of an engineering colleague that, um, and I hadn't pre-prepared for the call with that colleague and sat there in front of a supplier. It was something that happened at the drop of a hat. And, you know, I realized very quickly I should have had a pre-meeting with that engineering colleague because he was kind of giving away all the leverage, you know, saying to this supplier, we've only got, you know, you're the only option, the other one turned us down and there's nowhere else to go. And, I, and I'm sat there sort of cringing, you know, it, obviously that's a lesson learned. And, um, you know, sort of for the future, it's important, I think, for purchasing people to pass on that kind of savviness and help to educate other departments so that no one's, you know, sort of giving away negotiation leverage and things like that and having conversations with suppliers um, and leaving your company sort of open really and quite exposed commercially. So there's a lots of different reasons why purchasing and procurement departments are intrinsic to any business. Good. And uh, as you say, you know, that collaboration, you know, mm. with engineering and other departments is a good, um, I, I suppose it, it mitigates the, the risk of you coming off worse in a, in a financial negotiation or, or contract negotiation. So um, thank you very much for sharing that. So compared to when you started out in purchasing, so you're what, 22 years or so yeah. into, <laughs> into the, into the world of yes. purchasing. I know I don't look that old. <laughs> <laughs> you started Quite. off at Rolls Royce <laughs> and um you 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 did a a, a fair stint at, at JCB as well. So you've worked yeah. for some stellar, um, mm. you know, blue chip manufacturing businesses. Mm. How how has purchasing as as a function changed mm. in that time? Yeah, it's. I think it's changed dramatically, as you say. It's twenty two years ago since I started. Um, I was a graduate trainee starting at Rolls Royce in Derby. And I was there for five years and I went to JCB for 10 years and sort of onwards and upwards in, in, in a couple of other companies too. And over time, I think obviously one of the most, you know, um, obvious changes has been the technology. And that's, that, you could say that applies to any different department, any different type of company. Um, the tech and the time and the speed that you can actually source parts. So in the past, and I literally remember doing this when I first started at uh, at the Aero Engine Company. Uh, 22 years ago, we used to print out engineering drawings, ginormous, great big drawings, and laboriously print out letters, you know, requests for quotations, and go and sort them out with the post office department. And and you had to wait, it was like snail, snail mail, just, you had to wait so much. Now, obviously, everything's done, you just send files by email and things like that. So the speed of everything's much quicker. We're now also able to do um, due diligence and checking out suppliers a lot quicker and easier because everything's there. Tips to check and you know do credit checks and things like that is huge and it just saves a lot of time. So time saving is obviously um, one of the critical things. In terms of strategy, procurement strategy, 
when I first started 22 years ago, it seemed like the whole world was talking about global strategy and global sourcing. And it was all about, you know, let's to go out there and low cost sources, you know, let's sort of act as a global, you know, um, corporation. And now I've noticed with a lot of companies, the realizing, especially with a lot of the issues that you mentioned, you know, with the pandemic and what have you, that now a lot of companies are trying to bring things in and source much closer in order yeah. to mitigate, yeah, against, you know, the long lead times and things like that, for example, that are basically stopping them from getting what they need when they need it. Yeah. So that's another um, example of a massive change. Where do, you yeah. see, where do you see the main challenges, particularly for, for buyers in SME manufacturers, Katie? Because, yeah. you know, a lot of the, the large corporates, you know, will have sometimes huge uh buying teams you know lots of structure there but when it comes to and i'm not saying they won't have challenges because yeah. they they will but for smes where there is a lot less resource mm. and maybe sometimes budgets are also tighter um where, where, where do you see the main challenges there within the sme community for buyers yeah, you're right. I think there is a big difference actually for SME buyers, manufacturing companies versus sort of the big corporates. And, uh, you know, I've been privileged to work in, in both scenarios actually. So after sort of JCB, I did work as a purchasing manager in, um, in um, an aerospace supplier. Um, so I was sort of the manager in purchasing for an SME. And it the contrast was dramatic. Uh, it was a case of all of a sudden you, you go from having kind of lots of power generally generally speaking quite a lot of power with the suppliers um to sometimes you know thinking oh how am i going to get these suppliers that are actually a lot bigger than our company to listen to sort of little old us <laughs> so the kind of like, the power divide is very different um, and that is a challenge and i think the way to overcome that is to try to build relationships and still try to to get in there and go and visit them and try to get time with them um you know with the with the key strategic suppliers not not all of them um and it's a case of communicating and relationship building i think to try to sort of get them to take notice of you and listen to the things that you need um as a buyer also i think as well the erp systems might be um not as comprehensive as sort of the great big high you know high speed high tech erp systems that a corporate might use um and that can make it a bit harder work sometimes if they're using something much much more laborious let's say um and that just can slow you down a little bit i think as well the smes um, especially in manufacturing quite often have a lot of pressure so when they do get opportunities to quote um the purchasing team then need to react very quickly to make sure that they get all the quotes they need from their suppliers because there's quite often a lot of pressure on SMEs um as, as you'll know you know to win work um yep. it's quite hard isn't it to stay afloat especially in this day and age and you know there's a lot of cost pressure and all sorts so yeah the purchasing department have to react very very quickly um and I've been experienced in trying to make sure things turn around quickly and again it does come down to relationships when you need that quote to come back if you've not got the relationships there then you're going to struggle to to help the the marketing department you know pull a quote together and it could be that that little piece of work that they're trying to win might actually just keep the company going you know for to be ne the next few years it could be quite a big a big um, contract so there's a lot of challenges um for for smaller companies definitely mm. Yeah, thanks for that. And it, it, it seems to me that, you know, that the smaller the organisation, um, and, and if I 
take as an example a you know an SME business that that maybe has one person within the business mm. responsible yeah. for purchasing, and that's quite common in in a in a very small mm. you know engineering or, or manufacturing company. I, I guess some of the um, you know the softer skills, if I can put it like that, mm. some of the softer skills come into play and are as important as you know your your negotiation skills or your you know commercial or financial acumen um it's that you know the personality of a buyer sometimes can make or break a commercial gain for the business you know as you say it's that that ability to um to strike up relationships but maintain them uh quite often when your supplier might be under a lot of pressure as well as yourself. Yeah. And you're getting it as the buyer from, you know, manufacturing, logistics, engineering, everything yeah. flying at you from all angles and that ability to cope mm. in that scenario. So I guess time management, would, would you put that up there as a, a pretty, pretty big priority to, to, to master? I definitely would put time management up there as well. Yeah, an ability to prioritise because typically the daily life of a buyer is to turn up at work and there's some problem that someone wants to talk (laughs) about. (laughs) And obviously you've got to help. You can't sort of ignore the problem. It might have a big impact on the business, so you can't ignore it. Sometimes you need to know, uh, they need to be able to push back and think, right, you know, it is a problem, but it's something that I can deal with after I've done something else that I know I need to do today, maybe sort of, you know, achieving their objectives or something like that. And they need to be able to sort of decide if the problem's a showstopper or not. Um, it could just be that it's that person's problem, <laughs> you know, but quite often um, an email inbox can just be a long list of everyone else's problems, can't it? And, you know, you've got to be able to sort of be resilient and strong enough and, and sort of communicate in a way that doesn't upset other people. You're right, the soft skills are important. You know, you've got to kind of have a way with, about you so that you can kind of be, you know, push back sometimes, you know. Um, sometimes the problem does need to be dealt with, as I say, but you need to be able to push back sometimes and and, and manage their expectations as well. So, you know, say, look, you know, I've just got to finish this off, but can I come back to you this afternoon and uh, we'll sort something out about two o'clock. And then they go off happy knowing that some resolution is going to come along. And yeah, definitely time management. Also, I think the person needs to be the kind of a person that can motivate themselves, you know, someone that can get up and, you know, sort of spring out of bed in the morning and get to work and be quite excited to go and do their job as a buyer. Because even though it is hard and it is stressful and you do get everyone queuing around your desk, that person needs to be able to be motivated and, and happy and smiling and deal with it. It, it. There's so much variety in purchasing that every day is different. There's never an opportunity to be bored. If you're bored in a purchasing job, I think you're just maybe in the wrong purchasing job. Get another one because uh, there's so much variety that you can enjoy and the person needs to be motivated. I, I've actually hired people that have got less experience in all the kind of you know negotiation skills and those kind of skills because I could see from the CV and the way they come across that they're, they're motivated and they're hungry and they want to go and learn because things can be learned, you know, but I don't think it's easy to make someone motivated. If someone's not not typically motivated, it's really hard to change them. I'm not saying it's impossible, but you can teach someone negotiate. You can teach someone how to deal with suppliers. And if you've got the right background and the sort of character, as you say, you know, able to manage time, things like that, you can, you can learn the rest of it. Mm. For attitude, you can yeah, attitude <laughs> exactly. It is. Okay, yeah. So, what are the priorities for UK manufacturing 
right now? What what do mm. what do UK manufacturing businesses need to do right now to to mitigate risk? Um, and optimise their procurement strategy mm-hmm. and, and ultimately ensure that they've got a sustainable business. Yeah, thanks. I think there's there's two main, I mean, there's obviously a lot that they can do, but I think two main things is reduce cost dramatically, quickly, as much as possible, and also make sure that they get the parts that they need to, to mitigate against not being able to create and build and, um, you know, and, and supply everything that the customer needs they're the main two things so how would we do that well you know i mentioned a risk register before if a company doesn't already have a risk register which means they've had everyone in the company almost you know some of the key departments in the room going through what each what each risk is and it, it needs to be specific to their company you know so what are the list of risks what are the impact what do we think the impact's going to be is it high medium low you know and what's sort of the outcome and that kind of thing and just going through sort of the process of creating a risk register and making sure that there are actions and timelines for how we're going to mitigate these risks so that's kind of like a general something that all companies need to to do so that everyone's thinking about what could happen and everyone's therefore a little bit more on the toes you know if something does happen it's like oh we talked about this in the risk you know and then regularly review it um and keep it up to date um I think I see a lot of companies at the moment struggling to get parts in because of all the different supply chain issues that they've had. So, um, you know, it needs to be try to find alternative sources if possible, look for um, other opportunities, you know, and and sometimes dual sourcing is necessary. I know obviously in manufacturing, if you're creating a complicated product that takes a lot of expensive tooling, you can't just, you know, throw another half a million pound at a brand new tool in a, in a, in a factory down the road. But there might be other things that, that you can do. And I think having a really good, strong network is important as well. Um, and keeping in touch with what's going on in the market and keeping in touch with suppliers and listening to what they're telling us. You never know, because if you're able to sort of pick up the phone or have a, have a call with someone that might just be able to answer the problem, if you've got a good network, you're more able to to respond and you know get sort of the ideas and the things that you need but yeah i think cost and risk register are important i guess i mean cost reduction that we could probably do a whole podcast <laughs> just on just yeah. on cost reduction um mm. just off off the top of your head so if 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 i was a um a, a buyer working in an sme um finding finding my feet a little bit mm. um and, and you you could give three sort of pieces of advice or three uh, priority areas or or processes or things to look at in terms of cost reduction. Would there be three pieces of low hanging fruit, if you like, or three? What would the first three steps be? I, I guess is is the question I'm trying to ask. Yeah, it's a really good question. Uh, I think what I've done in the past is I've sort of taken a spend report and looked and, and looked and look to the highest spend. So if I know, you know, this with this supplier is the highest spend, sort of look at that in kind of like, you know, priority order. So look at the spend and where is the money going and that kind of thing. Um, I'd also look at contracts as well and just open them up. Sometimes we create contracts and then they get put in a drawer or they sort of filed on a PC and then no one ever looks at them. <laughs> We've got cost reduction agreed, for example. Are we actually switching the the system and changing the prices when we when we said we would? according to the contract and that kind of thing, just really sort of using what we've already got. Um, Low hanging fruit, sometimes it's worth getting in 
to one room people that are on the shop floor because quite often people in factories and manufacturing companies they don't always get asked their opinion and it can be quite glaringly obvious to quite a lot of people that are there working uh, on the shop floor or in you know in the company but if they don't get asked then they'll never really voice their opinion because you know they might feel intimidated or what have you but if they do have an opportunity even if there's a box that you know people can sort of put an idea on a piece of paper and just everyone kind of everyone's got to submit one or two ideas get people sort of actively thinking and maybe even have sort of reward for, you know, some ideas that, that, that get end up sort of getting picked up and used and give them a prize or something like, you know, kind of try and get people's imaginations going because they're the people ultimately that are there. They'll know, they'll know where the costs are. It might be as well, a good idea to have a good walk around the shop floor with some of the team members and look and say, are we using too much packaging and understanding the process, you know, Show me how this part's created um, from start to finish and, and follow the line, you know, can, is there any waste? You know, how can we take cost out and, and think of it in, you know, lean manufacturing terms as well? Is there any waste? Are we using too much, you know, is there great big piles of boxes that we never use? You know, are we returning, returning pallets and stillages and things like that? There's just like so much opportunity if people just made a point of walking around the factory every morning. Just take half an hour, go in earlier, try and do it with a few people and get them to write down their ideas and get, get everyone working on, right, we noticed this, we're going to change this and make a point of having a meeting every week, right? You know, you said you were going to do this on this day. Have you done it? Yes or no? What we're we going to do to pull it back, you know? And, and also, actually, if you're going to go through that kind of a process, put a stake in the ground at the very beginning. Um, so, you know, today we spend X amount of packaging you've done an exercise let's let's check in six months time have we saved money from getting rid of all this waste and the wasteful processes and things like that that was probably more than three <laughs> sorry that, that, that's that's brilliant <laughs> everyone this kind of stuff <laughs> <laughs> the point you make about going on that sort of walk around the the plans i mean most most modern manufacturing businesses and engineering businesses uh you know would have a you know whether they, it's a, a full-on gemba walk yes. or or it's the plant manager or the uh you know the the machine shop manager production manager whatever it might be the directors will get involved mm. in a in a plan you know they, they do walk the floor but i think there are sometimes gaps where maybe the buyer you know particularly if it's not a a, a large company you know somebody mm. from procurement may well usually go on a gemba walk mm. with as part of that team um, but with with a small SME, maybe not. You know, you mm. might get the the general manager or the uh, or the production manager have a walk around the around the plant. Mm. Um, but would the buyer accompany them? Maybe, maybe not. So that's yeah. a really good point. Where mm. um, you know, purchasing you you can't see everything from an office mm. or a spreadsheet, yeah. can you? So mm. it's really good to get out there and have a look. Mm. It's also worth doing that with the supplier as well. Going to the supplier's factory. And yes. looking at their process and, and seeing if there's any opportunities to take out waste that you could then share, you know, the benefit of with the supplier. And yeah. that can come straight off your, you know, your um, your spend. Yeah. That's a really good point. Uh, you know, uh, that's probably part of the supplier mm -hmm. development uh, relationship. Yeah. Um, you know, why should you just accept that mm -hmm. the quality and the price that they're giving you is optimised? You know, if they've got a lot of waste at their end, that's being passed mm. on to you, isn't it? In a, yeah, in and they might not realise it. 
they might not even realize it because they're there every day. Sometimes a fresh pair of eyes can just, you know, make changes, can't it? So I, I know you've just launched a new membership community for buyers. Uh, it's a, a wildly exciting time for you, no doubt. Yeah. What is Buyers World? Yeah, thanks for asking. So Buyers World is a membership opportunity, really, but it's not just a membership that you sort of pay into and then don't get involved. Inside Buyers World, when members join, they, they have access to lots of little mini videos where, you know, I'll be talking about all different aspects of, um, of procurement, you know, sort of taking cost out, negotiation, all, managing risks, all sorts of things like that. There are workbooks, so, you know, they can follow the videos, do the work in the workbooks, and it's very practical based. I'm not trying to teach theory because I think they can get that elsewhere. Um, what I'm trying to do is use my practical experience and tell them and help them. And um, it, it's you could literally join Buyer's World and then start as a buyer and follow the advice, you know, having not done it before. It suits any buyer. Um, and, you know, I would say in particular ones maybe that's starting at the very beginning as well, although, you know, suits suits all different uh, types of of levels we do talk about um time management quite a lot at the beginning because i do think once you get that kind of straight and prioritization then you sort of can set yourself up day to day for doing all the other things that you need to do then we have live q a sessions uh, once a week so if they have questions um they can submit them to me a couple of days before and then i'll sort of deliver their live q a answer the questions and if anyone needs extra support, we can organise that as well. And I'm trying to build up a community so that there are lots of buyers in the network um, that can bounce off ideas and get feedback from each other. So it's very interactive. There's nothing like it that, I, that I've ever found because I wish I had had access to something similar when I was uh, starting yeah. out, definitely. And so that's why I created it. It's very different. It's, it, it might take a while for the market to get used to this kind of different sort of concept. It is all online, so you don't need to be in a particular place. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm just, uh, you know, just launched. So literally, it's hot off the press. <laughs> Great. I'm sure it will be a really valuable resource for, uh, for for buyers all over the country and, and indeed internationally. Yeah. Um, so where can people find uh, Buyers World? Have you, you've got a Yeah, my website. Yes. Yeah, thanks. It's um, buyersworld.com co.uk so yeah co.uk and if they want to email me there's email address information inside there um there's a corporate package button which goes through uh, they can send me an email um and you know i've got sort of various corporate packages discounts for bulk you know bulk numbers of buyers and things like that and extra training okay great so Katie, I know you're a, a huge advocate for UK manufacturing. Yeah. Um, yeah. We've all seen over the last couple of years, you know, a, a, a gradual but increasing move towards reshoring. You touched on this a, a little bit earlier on in the conversation, um, you know, reshoring from low cost countries. What's your take on the, the argument to UK manufacturing becoming even more self-sufficient, you know, buying locally and dare I say it, becoming mm. more protectionist? Yeah, I think it just has to happen. I think we do need to look around, you know, what what do we have on our doorstep? I must admit, in my roles in the past, I have been responsible for doing low-cost sourcing and moving work out to, you know, India, China. That's often been, you know, the strategy 
strategy of the company um, for various you know reasons and there are lots of benefits to that and um, quite capable companies in those places too. Um, because now the long lead times can have dramatic impacts on the ability of any company to make to produce the things they need to produce it is very important to shorten that if possible um, and it could be having a warehouse even if you're low-cost country sourcing but having a warehouse and having that paid for by the supplier um, that's possible too um, just to have something on the doorstep that you can pull from you know your demand can come from but if we can get back into UK manufacturing, you know, there is so much good news that doesn't get reported in the media. Um, and, you know, I do see sort of glimmers of it through throughout LinkedIn, which is great. But people don't realise how much talent there is in this country. And for sure, there are companies that are well worth checking out and well worth visiting. And, you know, I really hope, I, I definitely would be, you know, hoping that buyers do look closer to home um you know it it isn't always actually about cost anymore because some of the low-cost country sources have actually increased the prices anyway because they've kind of come full circle and realized that they can charge more so it's almost like well, what's the point in doing that and having long lead times as well um you mentioned that protectionism i'm kind of a bit of a free market type of person if i'm honest i don't like a fake sort of um protectionist type regime really I, yeah. I, I think it sometimes can set um, industries up to fail you know when it all goes wrong it can just collapse so it, I, I do I'm a bit more free market but um I think it will just naturally come back because I, I do see a lot of companies pulling back and reshoring and um you know what better than just sort of being able to just jump in the car now and, and just go and visit the factory that's a lot closer and um getting home and being able to have tea in your own house and put the kids to bed. You know, you don't have to sort of take great long trips um, either. So there's lots of benefits, really. Absolutely. Mm. So uh, we're talking about um, purchasing. Um, you know, it, it can be a really fantastic career choice. Um, how do how do we get more youngsters uh, not just interested in manufacturing, but, you know, interested in manufacturing through the purchasing mm. room? What, what's what, what's going to appeal to the youngsters of today you know the school leavers or or you know kids that are that are still coming through school or, or college what what are the what are the selling points really from mm -hmm. from a from a purchasing perspective how are we going to get more youngsters hooked into mm -hmm. purchasing but purchasing in manufacturing as well yeah yeah i think uh, the old sort of traditional images of manufacturing where the old industrial you know everything's kind of you know covered in soot and dirty buildings and things like that there are some you know casting facilities for example have been in lots of them but there are also and there's nothing wrong with that by the way it's still interesting and fascinating yep. to see how the parts are made but it there are also um you know quite sexy aspects if i dare say it of of manufacturing you know and the way that things can be created you can 3d print stuff nowadays and it's actually quite scientific and interesting i think and in terms of um purchasing i try to appeal to people to join purchasing by saying look you will like as i said before you will never spend a day bored in in this kind of a job it's so varied you get involved in so many different aspects you can go and learn how to um how how the company is producing these parts I mean, one of the aspects I love is is working with sort of the engineering department, understanding how the thought process works when they're creating a brand new product, you know, um, and just learning about 
the way that things are created, it can be amazing. And then when you see the end product as well, and it's sort of being launched, you know, whether it's, you know, a shiny uh, airplane engine or a great fancy new digger, um, just seeing how everything's come together and you're a part of it is really, it, there's nothing like it, I don't think. I think manufacturing, working in purchasing, in manufacturing in the UK, I think is one of the best jobs in the world. And I will always bang the drum. Manufacturing's paid the bills for me and my husband <laughs> for the last 22 years, you know, everything. Yeah our house and everything's literally come from manufacturing and for me the purchasing aspects as well so there's so much to go for there's such an opportunity and you can make a real difference and also the kind of the sustainability side of of things and the way i think that legislation will probably go soon um there's such an opportunity to um you know improve emissions you can reduce emissions in companies and things like that so for youngsters that might be kind of that that really sort of you know, um, you know, they're interested in that, then you can go get into purchasing and you can imagine if you change the way a supplier produces something and they reduce their carbon emissions and all the other companies that that supplier sells to you, you basically having a massive impact on reducing carbon emissions. And I think that that should appeal to a lot of the sort of younger potential people as well. Absolutely. And I was just thinking then whilst you were talking, um, the sustainability thing, yeah, it seems to really strike a chord with a lot of yeah. youngsters. Yeah. And also, you know, whether whether you know materials and, and parts are sourced in the UK or from abroad, wherever they're sourced from, from a from a purchasing career point of view, there's always going to be a bit of travel, whether it's UK yeah. or European or yeah, true. Uh, Far East, mm. wherever it might be. If if travel appeals to an individual mm. then purchasing certainly can tick that box okay yeah. it's not going to be all the time but mm. it's certainly um a, a plus point for that individual mm. and then you know just looking at all the things around us whether it's in a car showroom a supermarket whether you're flying mm. on a plane to holiday if you're involved in a business that are manufacturing an aircraft for example mm. you might not want to have a career in a factory but being a buyer in a purchasing department, you're having a, a major impact okay. on the production of that aeroplane. Nonetheless, it's just you're not physically on a machine or on an assembly line, mm. um, but you're playing a major part. So as you Definitely. quite rightly say, so much variety. It's, um, yeah, I, I often think uh, I may have missed my vocation. <laughs> Recruitment's done me okay. <laughs> well... Katie, it's it's been a pleasure to uh, to have you on Insights for Manufacturing today. Um, I've really enjoyed talking about uh, procurement. It's been a you know a, a, a learning um, exercise for me. I hope the the audience has found it really beneficial and interesting. I'm sure they have. So thank you very much for coming on the show. Thank you for inviting me, Jeff. It's a pleasure and it's an honour to be asked. You're very welcome. So that wraps up today's episode. Um, thank you very much for listening and look out for the next edition of Insights for Manufacturing. See you next time and bye-bye.